Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an old guy who knows shit. Slewdog here with another story from life. This is episode 12, Hyattsville. Copyright 2020 by L.R. Holtz. There's a town inside of the famous Beltway that runs around Washington, D.C. in Maryland named Hyattsville. Now, don't worry, nobody else has heard of it either because it is upstaged by College Park, home of the Terps, which is actually on the Beltway on the one side and the District of Columbia on the other side. So Hyattsville, strangely enough, was carved out of virgin Maryland forest in the early 20th century. In 1993, there was one block, a very long block, that still had a piece of that forest right in the middle of it. And I moved onto that block that year. It was defined by being at the apex of a gentle curve in East-West Highway, a major thoroughfare with very few crossings. The nearest cross street was a quarter mile from East-West Highway. I know this because I ran around that block hundreds of times, and I measured it. It was one-tenth of a mile wide and a quarter mile long. One lap was seven-tenths of a mile. When they laid it out, individual house plots were much larger than they are today, and there were... Seven houses down the quarter mile of our block with, I think, two or three empty lots. The houses were built at the ends of the plots, so all of the houses had huge front yards and postage stamp backyards. When they built the houses, they only cut down the trees they had to cut to build the houses. So all of these huge front yards were shaded by giant, ancient trees. And right in the middle of this block, somebody had bought four of these big house lots back to back, and they built their house on just one. So there was, in the southern half of this block, probably two acres of street-to-street ancient virgin Maryland forest. The trees were mostly poplars and pin oaks, and they were probably six feet in diameter on the average, I would say, plus or minus. All of them majestically tall, an actual canopy. It was the most beautiful suburban block I've ever seen, and I resisted admitting it but it sure felt like there was more there than just beauty. Well, it turns out there was. There were many big old stumps in the yards and thick patches of growth between the houses, and the longer I lived there, the more I felt that we were actually living in that ancient forest. The old roots were still underneath of us. The energy of nature was intense. Everything was exaggerated, enhanced. It was nature with the volume turned up to ten. Our house had two ancient stumps in the front yard. One of them was covered with a blackberry bramble and vines. It was thick and forbidding, and later on I found that it guarded a burrow with an opening that was big enough for a small bear. It was a clean burrow, maintained, well hidden. 
certainly appeared to be in active use. The blackberries were bitter and nasty off the bush. But wow, they exploded with flavor if you put enough sugar on them. The other stump was covered with some kind of fungus that looked absolutely prehistoric. It was hard and sort of a vomit color, and it had no shape at all. It was blobular. If you tried to cut it, it sort of acted like a mushroom, but one made out of crumbling glue. It grew on the sides of the stump, and great lumps of it grew up from the roots as far as 12 feet away from it. It looked utterly alien. And yet, in the open yard next to the stump was the most beautiful dogwood tree I have ever seen. Somebody had planted bamboo to make a barrier between the backyards, and it was voracious. This bamboo came out of the ground two inches in diameter and grew a foot in 24 hours. I kid you not, my son and I measured it. One morning, there were two dozen missiles rising from the grass. Then, after I chopped them out, I grew three-pound tomatoes there. We had seven-inch-long praying mantises on our screen that were friendly, not afraid of anything. A couple of them just walked onto my finger when I offered it to them, and I swear we had a conversation. My son, who was then, I think, eight, called to me that first spring at some point to ask what was the brown carpet spreading out from our porch in the grass. And I go out and I look and sure enough, there's the green of the grass and there's this like half circle of a sort of brown carpet that you could see was actually spreading out into the green. And I go down onto the sidewalk, and I get down on my hands and knees. Well, it was praying mantises, maybe a quarter of an inch long, mottled and brown, thousands of them, no exaggeration, thousands and thousands of them, spreading like a weave world carpet, from under our porch. There were cicada killers. Those are giant wasps that were, in fact, the inspiration for the creatures in the Alien movie series. They catch a cicada, which fights valiantly for half an hour, and they sting it repeatedly until it is paralyzed. Then they drag it into a burrow and lay an egg in its body, which hatches and begins eating the cicada from the inside while it is still alive. We watched two squirrels one day chasing each other across our yard, the bigger one repeatedly catching the smaller one and attacking it fiercely. And the smaller one leapt up onto the trunk of the neighbor's gigantic pin oak, and they spiral up about 30 feet, and the small one suddenly disappears into a hole. The big one is right behind it, reaches in, grabs that small squirrel, and hurls it out of the hole. And that little squirrel arched up and out from that 30-foot high hole, and it actually spread itself out as if it were a flying squirrel. And then it landed splat on the street another 30 feet away.
we knew it was dead. But it lay there a second, then got up, shook itself off, and walked away in the other direction. Then there was running. When I started to run around this block, I found that I always felt good running there, light and fleet of foot. But then one day I realized that I was always running around the block in a clockwise direction. So I thought, well, I have to change that. And I set out counterclockwise and I could not do it. It felt like I was running underwater. Every step took a huge effort. I got maybe a hundred yards, and I had to stop us gasping for breath. Well, I turned around the other way, and the very first step was boom, lighter than air, and I took off effortlessly. I stopped. I turned around, tried to run the other way, underwater, first step. I turned around again, bing, lighter than air. Unbelievable as this may sound, I had to accept that I could only run around this block in one direction. But these were all things I discovered over the next couple of years. The first night, my introduction to this extraordinary place out of J.R.R. Tolkien was much more frightening. Somehow, it's always the orcs who come out first. So the day we moved in was a beautiful August day. It was hot, but we liked the heat, and the sun and the trees was so beautiful. It just seemed idyllic. Our predecessors had left one of those big wheeled plastic garbage cans under the porch, and as we accumulated boxes and packing paper and tape and the usual trash of a move, it got stuffed into this can. Well, the neighbor told us the next day was trash day, so at some point, well, after dark, I went to put the garbage out. I had been wearing work clothes all day, and I still had them on because I was still working. And there was almost no light under the porch at all. The porch light didn't reach under the porch. The street light was shaded by trees until you got to the street. So I reached into the dark, and I grabbed the handle on this can, rocked it back on its wheels, and pulled it behind me to the street. And I had the thought that the handle felt slimy. But my brain dismissed that thought as pff, silly, not possible. So I didn't look at it until I got to the street and set it down. And when I first looked at it, well, I knew something wasn't right because it was white. And I knew this can was that dark, dark green. Well, the surface was not only white, but it was mottled. It was uneven. And as I looked closer, I could see that it was actually moving under the light. It was sort of shiny and gently rippling. And I bent down and I looked at it more closely and I discovered that it was covered with maggots. 
literally covered. There was no plastic visible. It was a solid mass of pulsating, seething maggots. I looked at my glove, and it was covered in globs of white goo. And then something happened in the pit of my stomach. I step back. I'm looking at this can in the street light. It was wrapped in maggots like fabric. And no maggot ever fed on a piece of plastic. Something was holding them together. And suddenly I could feel whatever that was. It was a distinct, dark, and very scary presence. It was something that filled me with fear and loathing, and for several minutes, I was mesmerized by it. And then I had a sense of waking up with the sudden knowledge of what I had to do. I had to see what was in the can. I know this sounds crazy, but I needed to know the scope of what I was dealing with here. So I picked up a stick, and I used that stick to pop the lid and push it to one side, and maggots boiled over the edge. I heard maggots dropping to the ground out of the lid on the other side. I took the end of the stick and I stuck it in and it had the texture of a pot of macaroni. And there was something about that that really kicked me into gear and I moved very quickly. I went in and I got a piece of cardboard and a marker and I wrote on it, take the can in big letters and I stuck a piece of one by two through it and I went out and I stuck that in the can where the lid was partially off and then I went in and I washed my hands about 20 times and I took a shower and I scrubbed and I scrubbed and I scrubbed and I still felt too dirty to sleep. I could not find a natural explanation for this one. I knew there was no food in that garbage. It had all been the trash of a move. And I couldn't shake the feeling of that presence, that, that really nasty vibe that, that it clung like the aftertaste of spoiled milk. Well, the garbage truck woke me up the next morning and I raced to the window to see if the garbage men would notice that it was a can of maggots. I mean, how could they miss it? But it didn't look white to me from the window, and they didn't notice anything at all. It was as if the maggots weren't there. They picked the can up and tossed it in the truck, no sweat. And I had the thought, well, maybe I had hallucinated them. Then. I went and I found my gloves, and the goo remnants were unmistakable. I knew I wasn't crazy. So I try to put that all behind me, and that day I go to the hardware store, 
and I buy a brand new garbage can with a tight-fitting lid, and I put it under the porch, and I make sure it's closed tightly. And the next morning, I take out the first bag of kitchen trash to put in the can. I pull it out from under the porch, and I pop the lid open so I can put the bag in, and my eye is caught by movement in the bottom of the can. And all of a sudden, my stomach turns over again, and I taste that spoiled milk. And again, I'm like mesmerized for an unknown period of time. But this time, awareness has to like fight and struggle to the surface. I'm, I'm feeling half paralyzed. But I lean over and I look in the can and it looks like a softball in the bottom of the can. A pulsating softball. Yes, it's a blob of maggots, roughly the size of a softball. So, still in a fog, I tip the can up and the pulsating softball rolls out onto the grass, just like a softball. And then, something in my brain kicks in and I think to myself, this is just ridiculous. There's got to be something holding them together. Maggots don't cling to each other. They cling to food. Somebody must have opened this lid, put some food in there, and that's why it's a solid mass of maggots. So I take comfort in having found a natural explanation. This time, I ignore my stomach. I get another stick, and the instant that my stick touches the ball, like a magic wand, the ball disappears and it falls into a seething pile of maggots. Nothing but maggots. Well, at that point, something just exploded out of me. And the next thing I know, I'm cursing and screaming and stomping like a maniac. And the next thing I remember is looking up from leaning over on my knees, catching my breath, and realizing that I had just obliterated every trace of what was at that time certainly one of the most extraordinary events of my life. But that was immediately followed by a feeling of well-being and satisfaction. Something had showed itself to me, something very nasty, and had somehow tried to get into my head. And I had stomped the crap out of it. And you know what? I didn't care that nobody was going to see it. It was too ugly. I didn't want anybody else to see it. Well, we found out later that our predecessor 
in that house had been a cop who went bad. He just disappeared, and his wife and kid had to move away. And then when they cleaned out the house, they found a hole in the wall filled with, we'll just say, evidence of illegal activity. Well, about five years later, that house in the middle of the block was sold, and all of those beautiful trees became somebody's expensive furniture. Well, when the trees were gone, I found I could run around the block counterclockwise. And that was really the moment when I put it all together for myself, that that a, a, a genuine vortex of energy had been focused in those trees. And, and I understood that the power on that block that I had witnessed and questioned had been real. And it had come from something very old in that tiny bit of ancient forest. As if it had held concentrations of both good and evil. A tiny little piece of the ancient battleground the eternal war in its most primitive form, but loss of habitat has created a tiny island of the ancients surrounded by a sea of modern metropolitan urbanity, forcing the headquarters of good and the headquarters of evil to be right on top of each other fecundity and putrefaction, the dogwood and the alien fungus, the praying mantises and the cicada killers, whatever it was in those maggots and the cop, that thing and me. I never saw a creature big enough for that burrow under our stump. But I, I felt like I had met it, you know? But after that, whatever it was, it left us alone. It was as if I had won a battle my predecessor had lost. And what I won was a few years of undisturbed, joyful life in the glow of those trees in the heart of Hyattsville. And that was a lot. One last word on this story, because I know that many of you are like me and want to know exactly where this block is. And now that the story is over, I will tell you that it is the block defined by East-West Highway, which is 410 on the north side, the east and west borders are provided by 43rd Street and 43rd Ave. Yes, honest to God, they are one block apart. And on the south is Queensbury. 
And if you look at a satellite image, you will see five identical duplexes on the left that stand out because no other two buildings are alike. Those buildings, and I think two of the structures opposite on 43rd Street, occupy what used to be what was very likely the last piece of virgin forest inside the Beltway. This is an old guy who knows shit, signing off till next time. <laughs>